Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for intel, forecasts, and success strategies. We have incredible show for you today. We have Brian Bailey here. He is a CCIM. He's a counselor of real estate, and he's a senior matter expert for commercial real estate for the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta. Is here in Studio One. Brian, thanks for being with us. Michael, thank you for having me. It's great to be back today. Well, Brian. Uh, we love having you on the show. We've had you on the show a few times uh, over the years. It's always informative. And, uh, but I guess we have to know that whose opinions we're really talking about here. Right? Well, thank you. Yes. <laughs> These are my opinions and not necessarily those of my colleagues at the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta nor the Board of Governors in D.C. But certainly uh, they keep me around and they're still listening. So yeah, good go. news. Yes. That's good. So you track commercial real estate really for the Fed and, and kind of the kind of the Fed's commercial real estate guy, right? You're well, thank guru. you. Yes. Guru. <laughs> oh, I, it's too kind. It's too <laughs> kind. You know, as part of our safety and soundness, mm -hmm. ensuring the safety and soundness of the financial system, I'm part of our supervision and regulation mm -hmm. division, mm -hmm. which is in the banks trying to make sure that you know, the banks are sound and that the commercial real estate loans that they're making, you know, are, 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 are solid. Yeah. Well, let's start off with the, the big question, Brian, to I think a lot of our audience out there is that where are we in the cycle? It seems like we've had a nice long run. Uh, how long is it going to last? Where are we? Right. Absolutely. Well, you know, it sounds like the question my kids were asking when we took our summer road trip, you know, are we there yet? You know, and, and we've been asking yeah. that for yeah. the last couple of years. And, and my kids will go on into infinity, I think, by, you know, continuing with that question. And, and you know, it's a good question because, you know, we've seen a lot of dynamics. And, and you look at commercial real estate, there's some areas that are moving quicker than others. Uh, but you know, let's boil it down and look at the drivers, really. And and you know, the first driver in my mind is job growth, mm -hmm. and and commercial real estate tends to lag job growth. But we're looking at job growth, and we've seen nothing but pretty solid job growth for the last four years. Uh, currently, we're averaging about 180,000 jobs created a month, which is certainly significantly above the rate that we need to keep up with the growth of, of population. And unemployment's really low, right? Unemployment has come down pretty significantly. You know, as, as far as the economic expansion is concerned, you know, we're in month 97. Mm -hmm. This is the third longest expansion since 1945. Certainly, you know, great, great news from that, that standpoint. I think, you know, 90 through 2001 was the longest at 120 months. Um, but, you know, looking at that, you know, maybe the last four are applicable because the economy has kind of shifted more from manufacturing, more towards services. You know, the average of those four is roughly 96 months. Um, so we're right at the average. Um, and, and, and certainly, you know, modest growth continues to kind of look like it's in the cards for the foreseeable future. Uh, you talked about unemployment. Unemployment has come down very significantly. Um, you know, last year we were, we were talking about it, and I think the uh, U3 rate was 4.9. Well, today it's 4.3. So certainly we've continued to see that improve. You know, I kind of look back to 2007 as my marker of, you know, are we at full employment? And, you know, 2007, the U3 rate was 4.6%. So certainly some good news there. If you, if you say, well, let's look at a very broad definition of unemployment, we look at U6, you know, we say, um, you know, currently it's 8.6. Last year when we did the show, it was 9.6. 
So we've had another 100 basis point decline. We're seeing more people come back into the workforce because there are more opportunities. And then if I you know, go back to my you know, Brian Bailey bellwether of 2007, I don't know whether it's right or not, but the rate was 8.4%. So maybe we've still got a little ways to go. At the same point, you, know, you look and you see a little bit more of, of, of uh, maybe some dark clouds on the, on the horizon. I mean, I'm looking at bank sediment right now. And, and we've seen net loan demand, according to the senior loan officer survey done by the Federal Reserve. You know, we've seen net loan demand um, kind of soften a little bit uh, and turn negative over the last couple of quarters. So I'm wondering if it's a little bit of a blip or if there's, you know, a little, you know, a change in the dynamic there. Uh, at the same point, you know, we have seen, you know, the banks over the last couple of years tightening their underwriting standards pretty significantly. Um, I, I still think credit is available. At the same point, you know, certainly the banks are kind of saying, you know, we're a little bit more hesitant to lend, and that's showing up in their in their terms. And then I think, lastly, you know, you have to look at commercial real estate, and you have to say, wow, you know, where are we on the supply curve? And you know, I think multifamily, we have you know, pretty significant amount of supply coming online, uh, continuing to be built. But then you kind of you know do a deeper dive, and you say, wow. You know, a lot of that is geared toward the luxury apartment segment, right. uh, and and so maybe we have too much in that segment coming online right now, versus workforce or affordable housing where very little has been built, and so we're probably behind the curb there. So I think it's segmented, and I think you know some of the luxury product uh, back to that topic. Uh, you know, it, it is highly concentrated in some submarkets. You look at Midtown here in Atlanta, mm -hmm. you look at the Gulch in Nashville, mm -hmm. some of those places. Uh, you know, we're seeing office and industrial pick back up. We're seeing building there uh, as the demand warrants, more so industrial, but office, I think, is, you know, progressing. Um, and, then, and then retail. And yeah. retail certainly is, is uh, rather than overbuilt, retail has the issue of just it's a change. It's it's a we're seeing an evolutionary shift. Yeah, and that really indicates that it's an efficiency issue. Or how are we using the space we currently have? And you see, you know, some retailers that are struggling to make that to adopt that change. Yeah, and if you look at the kind of the top of the market in your cycle, and you look at the various property types, and I know mm -hmm. you're kind of looking at the the country overall, mm -hmm. uh, and you look at the property types. So. You say if you looked at the top of the market in this kind of expansion phase we're in that maybe we're we've crossed the line in apartments uh, but where are we on the other property types right are we still moving up i think you're absolutely right i think you know we're seeing some softening because we have you know supply is outstripping demand in luxury apartments right now so we're seeing some softening there in occupancies as well as rent growth rates certainly the you know sky is not falling we're not falling off the cliff yet but certainly some slowing there i think you know industrial because of e-commerce, you know, seeing a lot of it under construction, but the market, the markets that I see are, are absorbing it and absorbing it very well. So certainly some good dynamics there. Mm -hmm. Office space, you know, has been a little bit later to come back uh, in this cycle compared to others. Part of it is the ramp up in construction costs, and and you know now we've seen the market begin to tighten enough where we're beginning to see some of the early entrants. Um, in the speculative space, beginning to do their development. So I think you know, that's got a little bit of, of, of ways to go. 
At the same point, you know, we know that densification, we're putting more people in, in the same or smaller square footage, and that's been a little bit of a headwind. And then I think you look at retail, and, mm -hmm. and as we talked about, I think, I think there are going to be areas, there are going to be pockets that are very well um, insulated because of the density of people, because of the type of retail, uh, mix of retailers, et cetera. Then there are going to be areas where there's going to be some, pr some pretty significant struggles. Um, and, I, and I tend to think that you know, some of those pockets will show up more in the burbs. Yeah. Uh, I think also that we have to think about you know, e-commerce has done, the e-commerce providers uh, have done a very good job at shifting consumer buying habits mm -hmm. in commodity-related products. I mean, you look at the folks who've gone out this year, you look at H.H. Uh, H. Gregg, unfortunately, and, and, you know, they were selling appliances, mm -hmm. uh, which is an easily, you know, commodity-type business, easily identifiable. Um, you look at Sports Authority, Sporting Goods, another mm -hmm. commodity-focused business, mm -hmm. and the list just goes on and on. Mm -hmm. What does that mean for commodity businesses such as grocery? Mm -hmm. You know, obviously it has the nuance of, of the perishable part, which um, you know has been a challenge to figure out uh, to date. However, we see a significant ener significant amount of resources and energy being put toward that toward that uh, toward that issue. Um, and and certainly Amazon or Walmart or a number you know Publix or a number of those folks are trying to figure it out and 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 you know adopt to what the consumer wants and the consumer wants home delivery in yeah. my view. Yeah, and you talked earlier about underwriting and bank underwriting and how that's changing. So how are lenders looking at uh, retail right now? Because a lot of retail is doing well. Uh, retail is usually well-located uh, real estate. Uh, is that the property type they're kind of most concerned with their underwriting today? Or? Well, certainly in, in my view, there's been a lot of focus on retail. Part of it driven by the dynamics, the, you know, the number of retailers that have gone out this year, that have filed for bankruptcy. I mean, those levels look akin to, uh, not quite to where we were in 2010, but mm -hmm. still, you know, a significant number of retailers have gone out. Um, at the same point, you know, lending requires kind of looking forward. Yeah. And you think about it, I'm making, if I'm a bank, I'm making a loan today that you know three, five, seven, ten years down the road impacts my balance sheet. Um, certainly, you're looking for you know that that tenant mix to support that, the terms that support that. Uh, but I think that the banks are being careful right now um, and doing a lot of analytics. At least my understanding is they're doing a lot of analytics right now, understanding how those portfolios look. Yeah, and you mentioned. Um supply levels have increased in some of the property types, but to put it in perspective, what are you seeing for supply levels around the U.S. of, of new construction kind of compared to the 20-year average? Right. So, I mean, if we look at apartments, you know, the 20-year average is roughly 1.2% of existing inventory uh, delivered every year for the last 20 years. Um, if you look at, at 2017, the forecast is roughly 2%. So, I mean, you know, we're two-thirds above that. So a pretty sizable chunk from, you know, 2% for 2017 forecast to the 20-year average of 1.2%. Mm -hmm. You know, we contrast that office, uh, the 20-year average is 1.5% versus the 2017 forecast of one6 That's coming off of pretty muted levels, though, 
prior to those years. Industrials kind of returned to the 20-year average. And then you look at retail, and retail historically was about 1.7% of the existing inventory delivered every year. Uh, right now it's 0. 0.4. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that's the, a good thing. The retail developers yeah. are looking for looking for some projects. So uh, industrial, uh, you know, I think, you know, we did a uh, have a show re recently on industrial, and it seems like there's a lot of new supply coming online and a lot of spec. But uh, when you look at the 20-year average, we're, we're right at it in industrial. Yeah, we're right at it, and, mm -hmm. and you think about, you know, two years ago we were 1.2 percent of the existing inventory being delivered, which you know is is below the 1.4%, which is kind of the 20-year average. Mm -hmm. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would argue that the, num the, the levels are probably even more, more muted when you look at 2010 and 2011, the levels that were delivered then. Yeah, yeah, well, that's interesting. Well, speaking of numbers, if you'd like to get some numbers on commercial real estate around the U.S., check out Excelligent.com. They track the markets in most every large city now. And we're going to take a short break. We'll get back and ask Brian about banking reg regulations, about Dodd-Frank, about Basel III, and what should we expect and the impact there moving forward. And maybe a little bit about tax reform in the 1031 exchange and what could happen there to impact the economy and commercial real estate. So stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Excelligent, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Hi, this is Michael Bull. Check out Plum Lending, the $1 to $25 million commercial real estate specialist. Plum offers you speed, certainty, and preferential terms because it's all driven by technology. Visit GetYourPlumLoan.com. That's GetYourPlumLoan.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Hey, if you haven't checked it out, check out GetValuate.com. You can easily share numbers on investment properties with your colleagues online at GetValuate.com. Well, today we have Brian Bailey here. He's with the Federal Reserve, the Bank of Atlanta, and he's their real estate guy. And, uh, Brian, I want to ask you about, you know, Dodd-Frank, Basel III, the impact of all that, the tax reform coming up, what could happen there, especially a lot of people are concerned about the 10 31 exchange but before we go there a lot of people are concerned about retail what else should we think about related to retail today well i mean there is some you know we hear a lot of negative press but there is some positive press we broke out retail sales growth by the e-commerce providers and by traditional bricks and mortar uh you know such as home depot such as walmart uh retailers and, and you know the great news is is that the growth rate is positive for both groups. Yeah. Um, you know you're hearing a lot about the retailers that are that are struggling right now, but but all in all, you know the overall number, even though it's growing for the e-commerce providers by a factor of four, so it's growing at you know 13 or 14 percent compared to traditional bricks and mortar around three two to three percent. 
So it's growing much faster for e-commerce, but e-commerce is a much, you know, much smaller portion of the pie. Yeah. But I think it's 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 growing. You know, let's just go to traditional uh, retailers, and that excludes the food sales. You know, retail sales are up two or three two or three percent, depending on when you when you the the timing of the snapshot. Mm -hmm. Certainly, that's you know good dynamic. Yeah. Um, but we're becoming much more efficient with the use of space. And that's where you're seeing this kind of compression uh, pressure on the, on the retailers. The other part is, you look at it, um, arguably we have a, a significant amount of retail space. Yeah. And we probably have you know, too much in, in some respects. If you look at, we the, we, the United States, has 24 square feet uh, per person. That's a pretty significant uh, number of square feet. You look at Canada, it's 15 feet. You look at Australia, it's 10. And then you get down to the Western European countries where it ranges from five to seven feet. And the one that you know, is amazing to me is China at one foot, you know, one square foot of retail space per person. Yeah. Um, uh, so certainly, you know, we're, we're seeing this dynamic where sales are growing, but obviously a portion is being siphoned off by the e-commerce uh, providers as they change our buying habits, the consumer's buying habits. Same time, we had a lot of space to begin with. And so I think that, you know, those dynamics are putting, you know, some of that pressure on, you know, the retailers and unfortunately, you know, H. H. Gregg and Sports Authority and True Religion and so real and, and even we've seen a couple of, of small grocery uh, grocery store chains go out in the Midwest and so really um, you know the, the dynamic is really shifting I think in in some respects yeah um, I think you know bad news to see it change but evolution you know really occurs naturally. Uh, and so there's an opportunity to rehabilitate and reposition some of this space. Yeah. And so you see, you know, retailers with an experiential focus that are coming in and do pretty well. You're seeing um, some of the space being used for healthcare purposes, mm -hmm. and that's also doing pretty well. And and then you're seeing, you know, uh, you know, call centers, and you're seeing. Uh, civic organizations, governments taking over some of the space as well. So certainly it's not easy to reposition the space, but there is an opportunity to do that. And, and I believe that you know, that's an area for the lenders that they may be able to capitalize on if they have that expertise. Yeah. Well, that's a good point that there are positive numbers in the sales growth. I mean, if you look at the stock market, how well the stock markets have been doing, uh, home values. So I think in America, if our home value is going up, our stock market values are looking good, we'll go out and spend, right? Well, you know, cer certainly the home value is a significant driver of consu you know, consumer sentiment. You know, if I feel like I have my asset is growing, I'm more apt to go spend more money, which is certainly good for retailing, which is certainly good for the business cycle. Yeah. So it's good for commercial real estate. Well, let's talk about bank reform because I think, especially if you're in a small market around America, you know, the community bank, the local banks are really important to, to business in those markets. And it seems like some of the banks were concerned about Dodd-Frank, about Basel III. And so where are we there? What, what do you see uh, moving forward? Really? And, and it's, a, it's a very valid question because there have been a a lot of questions about you know the potential for too much regulation and and really 
Brian Bailey's view is, is that you know the, the pendulum kind of has hit the apex, the regulatory pendulum has, has hit the apex, and, and we're beginning to see it begin to swing back. Certainly, I don't know how a lot of the pending legislation is going to turn out and, and, and really you know, don't want to comment on it because um, you know, they're, 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 there's such a high degree that it will change. So really, uh, comments at this point wouldn't be terribly accurate. Mm -hmm. But certainly, I think that there is kind of this view that the, that the apex, the regulatory uh, pendulum has hit the apex. And, and we'll see it you know, begin to swing back a little ways. Probably means a little bit less regulation, probably you know, targeted at, at some of the smaller banks, so probably some relief there. Uh, but and, again, and, still too and early. And are the larger banks and the smaller banks, or should they be regulated differently, and are they? Well, certainly, I, I mean, you know, all banks are, are important to us, sure. very important to us. But obviously, you know, the larger institutions are de are designated as, uh, you know, uh, systematically important. Yeah. Um, Too big to fail. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so I, you know, I think that, um, you know, we have we're, we're trying to be aware, and and you know, our mandate is mm -hmm. the safety and soundness of the financial system, mm -hmm. and so it includes the small, it includes the large banks, yeah. and we're trying to. You know, we're, we're, we're not trying. We are in those banks. We are diligently looking at what they're doing. Yeah. Well, it looks like I just saw a report in the Atlanta Business Chronicle uh, that the uh, banks in Georgia have been doing really well. And uh, so are, are banks around the country doing okay? The health of banking in general has has yeah. picked up significantly yeah. from what we saw in you know 2010, mm -hmm. and and certainly you know Georgia and Florida mm -hmm. are are near and dear to our heart mm -hmm. because these were the top two states uh, with the most bank failures, and mm -hmm. so you know the the CRE dynamic attributed a lot, residential and commercial real estate dynamics attributed to that. Uh, so we're we're diligently focused on making sure that that does not reoccur. Yeah. We're talking with Brian Bailey uh, with the Federal Reserve, uh, the Atlanta Bank, and uh, a lot of people, Brian, are concerned about potential tax reform, and I think one of the, the largest potential tax reform that scares people that understand 1031 exchanges and the economic impact in commercial real estate especially are real concerned about that. What do you think the chances of the 1031 being dramatically changed or, or gone away with and the potential impact to the economy? Right. Still too early for me to comment directly on you know how the legislation will turn out, but hypothetically, if there was you know let's talk about 1031. You know 1031 you know allows a tax-free sale of a property, and those proceeds are moved to a, 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 a pending a, you know future a future purchase uh, within timeline and certain uh, regulatory. Certainly, if that is significantly altered, so you weren't allowed to do tax-free, then obviously, you know, people are going to have to pay more taxes, which may mean that they can buy less, you know, dollar, you know, as, as, you know lower dollar value assets uh, mm -hmm. may become in vogue versus higher dollar assets. Mm -hmm. Certainly, it's a question. I think the other thing you have to look at is the 1031 is instrumental in the net lease sale market right now. Yeah. Um, and if there was a you know, significant shift there, what you probably see, hypothetically speaking, and mm -hmm. hypothetically, it's mm -hmm. all hypothetical, 
but you see you know, cap rates move up pretty significantly, which would mean the value of that asset class probably comes down. Uh, and, and certainly we know that some of the banks have been lending in that space. Uh, and they need to be thinking about you know, what's their concentration look like, what's their exposure to that. Not saying it's going to happen, but I think that they need to think about it. Yeah, I, I think the 1031 exchange is a is a big deal to the economy. Uh, it's a big deal to commercial real estate. You know, when you think about uh, the the folks that we talk to, that we sell commercial real estate in our shop every day, and I would say, gosh, it's 50, 60 percent of them are doing 1031 exchanges, and and if they weren't, I don't think they'd be moving the property. So right. the attorneys wouldn't make the money. The construction folks, you know, there's a long line of people that their their income just drops. If, well, and, and, and that's a good point. Certainly that has changes for employment tied mm -hmm. to 1031. You know, one of the things we didn't talk about is there's a, st a study done, I uh, can't think of one of the gentlemen's names, but the other one is uh, Professor David Lang from the University of Florida, where they went and did uh, a lot of analysis on those tax-free exchanges. Um, and there were certain parts of the country that utilize those exchanges more than others. Yeah. And so, you know, if you see a shift, not, not only, you know, is it kind of national in the impact, but it could have, you know, local Im implications. Um, you know, there could be pockets that have yeah. uh, pretty dynamic uh, shifts. Yeah. Anything else about uh, what's going on in the government or with Trump's plans or anything you kind of <laughs> see that could be a headwind or, or maybe help commercial real estate well, moving forward? Brian? Wow. So I, I need an easier question, please. <laughs> we could go for two or three hours, right? Yeah. Drop, drop of a hat. Yeah. But I think, you know, let, let's look at it. I mean, you know, certainly, you know, there's some talk around mm -hmm. immigration right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to get into the legislation, but, but at the big picture, you know, immigration... Um, is a significant uh, population growth uh, dynamic. It also, you know, provides workers um, in in certain areas that there is a shortage of workers, mm -hmm. and so it does fill a need. Yeah. And so, if it changes, we need to figure out, you know, how does how how do we adjust? How does that how how do those needs get filled? I think you know you look at uh, you know an, another one uh, that's been uh, a pretty significant. Uh, tailwind for commercial real estate is the EB-5 legislation mm -hmm. and and certainly that's brought some capital in uh, which help move asset values um, you know I believe it's up for debate here in a little while um, and I'm not sure how it will turn out mm -hmm. but but certainly that has a, been a benefit um, toward you know the the expansion in in this cycle of the economy mm -hmm. I think you know you looking at technology and technology is, is, you know, maybe not quite, you know, a, a regulatory or a legislative piece, but it does have implications. I mean, look at self-driving cars mm -hmm. and look at the potential implications on how that changes development. I mean, if you can send your car to a, to a, a, a lower density, lower cost location than these large uh, downtown located office buildings, you know, certainly that's beneficial um, for the developer, it's beneficial for the employee, you know, beneficial for a number of standpoints. But also we have to figure out 
you know, what is that, how does that shift the develop, the thinking yeah. on future development? Well, when you're looking at commercial real estate and you're kind of taking that look all over the country, you know, what do you think about the potential for the interest deduction write-off? If, if that maybe was gone hypothetically, <laughs> what's that do to the bank's Boy, commercial you're, real estate? Boy, you're, you're really giving me the easy <laughs> questions right now. I, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's still really early to, to even speculate on on. How about infrastructure? Specific. I mean, if we get a lot of infrastructure spending, is that a, that's yeah. a boom, right? For, Infra infrastructure for sure. is yeah. historically good yeah. for not only the economy but mm -hmm. for commercial real estate. Yeah. And so, yes, if there's more infrastructure spending, I think it would be you know w would benefit both areas. Yeah, and then if Trump gets his way, buy America, hire America, does that help? <laughs> You know the banks and U.S. real estate, right? There does it. I I think um, you know, kind of just taking a step back, and and certainly if we are creating more jobs, period, that is good for the economy. Whether yeah. they're office jobs, whether they're manufacturing, um, you know, certainly, uh, you know, my understanding is that's been a, a a pretty good tailwind for the light manufacturing segment. Yeah. So I think that you know more jobs certainly helps. Yeah, yeah. Well, Brian, excellent information as usual. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And thank you for joining us around the country or on iTunes or YouTube or the show website. We appreciate you being with us. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Build out the best all-in-one marketing tool for your brokerage. Learn how you can create marketing materials instantly and streamline your property listings process. Visit buildout.com. Video is powerful. Some of the biggest brands in commercial real estate have trusted us to tell their story. We are Barnes Creative Studios, premier commercial real estate video services. BarnesCreativeStudios.com. Would you like access to invest in institutional quality commercial real estate with experienced sponsors with small amounts of money? Of course you would. Visit realcrowd.com. Choose between core, core plus, value add, or opportunistic. Visit realcrowd.com.